Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Rise of You podcast. I am your host, Natalina. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to be here to help serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. We speak with industry experts, authors, and amazing individuals throughout the world who have a message that they want to share with you so that they can help empower, inspire, and provide strategies that can get you to the next level in your life, professionally and personally. We are all about the whole person here, really focusing on the six pillars to a prosperous life. That's relationship and social intelligence, self-worth, money, career, love and health and fitness. When we focus on the whole person, then and only then can we build a thriving life and a life that we are truly proud of. Today, I am so excited to speak to our dear friend, Amy K. Hutchins. She's been on our show before, and she always has incredible knowledge and value to share with us. So if you haven't met Amy before, just a little bit about her. She's a former executive of a billion-dollar global consumer products company, and she was awarded the Vistage UK International Speaker of the Year Award. She is a dynamic, energetic catalyst for producing sustainable solutions to a leader's most pressing challenges. She's been featured and she's a contributor for the Entrepreneur Magazine and her latest book, The Secrets Leaders Keep, is an Amazon's bestseller. Thousands of executives in 10 plus countries have benefited from the great work and leadership of Amy Kay. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Amy, it is such an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor and a privilege to be asked. Amy, before we jump into our discussion, I'd love for the audience to get to know you a little bit if they don't know you already. So go ahead and tell us about yourself and all the cool stuff that you're doing. I am, Netta, I'm a teacher at my core. I've always been a teacher. I'm still teaching. Yes, you know, I now have a stage, but I'm still teaching from that stage. And I love what I do because at the end of the day, I'm helping us really to think better and I'm helping us to navigate our toughest conversations. And so everything that I do is really cool in terms of travel all over the world, speaking at conferences, talking about how tough communication is, trying to make it easier for people to navigate the tough conversations. I run a mastermind group. I've got um, online programs. Um, I'm working on my other book. And so just a lot of stuff going on. But at the end of the day, I'm a teacher and I love teaching. So just because oh, we always like to talk about the journey here at Rise Up For You, what was your journey getting into, I guess, this field or this industry? So what sparked that aha in you that really wanted to dive into education, leading, inspiring others, and really just helping others become their best? You know, probably a confluence of things. I think that I'm a naturally curious learner. I'm like, like you're the one I'm laughing. You've got all these books behind you. I'm also a voracious reader. So I know that we're aligned on that. And I also know that it's, it is wisdom that allows us to play better. And we often learn better, um, or excuse me, play better when we've learned either a concept or a theory and we've put it into action and it's either worked really, really well or it didn't. Like not so much, like it failed. And so, you know, life is this incredible teacher, probably the best teacher of all. And we all want to just kind of ride it out smoothly, but that's not how we evolve. That's not what makes us wise. It's all the mistakes and the missteps. 
And so for me, it was really this constant affirmation that when you give people a little bit of knowledge and they play with it and they try it and it works or it fails or they try it and it's really successful, you start to build this amazing, you create this amazing person that's so rich and then their ability to give to everybody else. So for me, teaching is about this enormous ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I completely resonate with that. Um, one of the things that, that you're so great at, and you were incredible at the conference too, and I remember just watching you and thinking, wow, you're such a great communicator and I, you know how to evoke motion, but also listen. Like there's a really great balance with you and how you communicate. Um, but that's so hard for so many of us. Um, and in particular, it's difficult for women, especially professionally in the, in the workspace, speaking up, communicating, really having their voice heard, getting their message out, whether it's a big message or just an ask wanting something, needing something. Um, so I would love to dive into a little bit of that today. And well, I mean, we can talk about communication for both genders, but I'd like to start there with, again, there's so many women in particular that really just have a hard time having their voice heard or speaking up. And when they do do it, it's not always heard. Maybe the communication isn't effective or it's not coming across the right way. So I'd love to just hear your thoughts a little bit on that and then we can, we can jump back and forth. Okay, there's, there's a lot to unpack in yes. all of that. So let's, let's start with a couple of, let's start with like a couple fundamentals. One is I think it's really important for both men and women, but especially women to remember, there's never just one conversation going on. It's, you know, there's the physical conversation that like you and I are having that everybody else is witnessing, but then there's the conversation that's going on in your head there's the conversation that's going on in my head. And then there's the conversation that's going on in all of the heads of the listeners of this podcast. And so we need to remember that when we start a conversation as a woman, it's actually a power play to not start it with, I want. Like if I started this conversation with like, you know, that I want, I want to talk to you about, I want, I want. I need to remember that I'm interrupting your movie. I am walking into the middle of a scene in your movie. And if I really want to have your attention, if I really want to be heard, I need to make the movie about you first. So suppose you're my boss. Suppose I walk in and I'm like, oh, you know, I really want to talk to you about, you're busy. You have a thousand things on your to-do list. You've got prioritized objectives that are greater than my I want. So if I were to just like pop my head into your office and say, hey, Netta, I know you're meeting with the client tomorrow. I want to go over phase two with you. Now I've just made it all about you and I've got your attention. And we need to make sure that as women, when we're in boardrooms, when we're in team meetings, when we're on the phone with people, that we stop and we realize that our voice doesn't actually get diminished um, by making it about somebody else. It actually gets stronger because it shows people that we're listening and that we care about them. Mm. That's a good point because so many of us go in with that mindset of, of I, I guess we, we have the ego in front, right? Instead of just yeah. removing the ego, right? Which is a hard concept, like the whole idea. Totally, the totally whole hard concept. Um, but that's a, that's a really great point is really uh, thinking about the, the individual first and then putting the I want or, or, the I, or whatever behind, behind it. Yes. And I also think that, you know, to unpack another layer is, you know, it's very difficult sometimes for women to um, set boundaries and to ensure that their voice is heard. And, 
And it's not about being so abrasive or so aggressive that you set unnecessary boundaries around you. But, you know, boundaries need to be permeable. They need to be flexible. But you also need to be really clear on what your your negotiables and your non-negotiables are. And I think that one of the things that makes it much easier for women to remember to set a boundary is that when you set them, you are telling the world your own sense of self-worth. You are telling the world that you have a sense of self. And so one of the things that I'll, I'll tell women is that when you say no, it doesn't have to be mean, doesn't have to be like a, an awful tone and tenor, but here's what will give you more confidence. Get really clear on what you're saying yes to first. Yes. So like if, if you came to me and you said, I really need you to volunteer for this committee. And I was like, oh, I do not want to volunteer for this committee. It isn't just me saying no to the committee. What I need to do is I figure I have to figure out in my head that other conversation that's going on to say, okay, well, what am I saying yes to? More time with my family, more time with me, time for exercise, time to de-stress, time to finish an important project. The minute that I'm clear on that yes, it gets much easier for me to confidently communicate to you a no. Do you have any strategies on, um, I guess, regaining that clarity? I know with Rise Up For You, we do the six pillars assessment and we do the goals and the action plan for those pillars. But it's one thing, like you said, to, to have those goals and what you want, but then to really ensure that everything that you do is in, in alignment with that, which brings the clarity to say no to all those things that have nothing to do with what you want or where you're going, whether it's family time, health, all those different elements. Yeah, I wish I had some magic wand. I really do. And this is going to sound so basic, but basic works. This is about checking in with yourself on a weekly basis. And I'm serious, weekly. Daily is too often. Monthly is too far apart. But weekly, I've noticed in 27 years of doing this, weekly has been the sweet spot for my CEO clients and my, my executives. So I think that it really is, whether that's a Monday morning or a Sunday night or however your time frame works for you, but it really is about, one, admitting to yourself that balance is a crock just toss balance out the window. You're going to get more stress trying to live a balanced life. But it is about prioritizing your goals with what's important to you. And then you say yes to your prioritized, um, so date nights and time with your kids and whether it's exercise or a walk or yoga or meditation or volunteering or charity, whatever's in your top five to seven priorities, those get in first. And then it gets really... It gets really easy, and this sounds, this sounds like I'm, I'm simplifying it, but I, I want to encourage your listeners, it really does get easier to say no thank you. And so one of my fun favorite quotes is by Warren Buffett, and he'll say, look at a successful person, they learned how to say no to the majority of things at an early age. Yeah. And that's, that's like really, I mean, we need to learn how to get rid of all the noise in our life so that we can be successful and however we define it based on our own values and alignment, but you can't do it all. And I wish we'd stop telling women that they can. Yeah, no, you know what? And I completely agree with that. And I also agree with the weekly schedule. That's what I use personally as well. Sunday night, I do the week. All the things that are must-dos get in there first. And then I fill in the, the fitness and the family time and the friends and all of that. And you're right. It becomes easier to say no when someone says, I need this, or can you be here at this time? And you look at your calendar darn, I have a meeting at that time or I can't make it. It's, uh, it actually empowers you to say no, because you really have put something together that shows you that you cannot do it. Yes. And here's, and here's another great way that we talk about in our mastermind group too, is the 
when you are saying no to somebody, you're saying yes to something else. And because you want to be in alignment of integrity and you want to show up fully committed to what you're saying yes to, you realize that that no reinforces your values. It reinforces a sense of integrity. So for instance, suppose I say yes to speak at your conference, but then I say yes to a bunch of stuff around it so that when I actually show up to your conference to speak, I'm exhausted. I'm burned out. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have the energy that I need to play or answer people's questions or deliver a good speech. Then all I've done is actually disservice you and all of your efforts and energy. I've undermined my own sense of self. I've misaligned my integrity. And even though I'm trying to people please with everybody around me, really everybody loses. And so this is another thing to get clarity on is that you need to show up as who you need to be to rock it, which means say yes to a few things and do it stellarly, do it brilliantly. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to dive back a little bit more into the clarity with the communication, which is basically yeah. everything that we're talking about right, right now. Um, one of the hardest things I think is really being present in your communication because a lot of times, and you, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, when we go into communicator, when we have something to say, we go in um, with these thoughts in our head. Maybe we've already played out a number of scenarios of what's going to happen. We create assumptions, or sometimes we even project what's going to happen with our communication before it even begins. And that can really affect how we communicate. Um, what are some ideas or strategies you have to communicate effectively, but just trying to be as present as possible with no ideas of where it could go or where, what it should be or expectations or standards according to it. Okay. So I'm going to be a little provocative and controversial on this one. So I think that it's a sign of respect to yourself and to the person that you're meeting with when you do practice and rehearse for a tough conversation. So if you and I were doing a negotiation, if you or I were having a performance review that was a little wonky, or we were just going to have a dicey conversation... I do encourage people to rehearse, to role play, to script their key phrases, to make sure that they're starting the conversation to connect, to really make sure that you're setting yourself up to make your points, but that your outcome is positive for both. And then if you can prep to where you win, I win, then our relationship wins. And then I will tr I'll pivot into, okay, you rehearsed, you were a screenwriter, you directed the play, you, you learned lines for various scenarios. Now it's improv. Now I've got to be fully present to listen to you. And here's, here's where I coach a lot of my clients on. You've got to have some of those questions that are just brilliant back pocket phrases. Like yeah. you just got to have it. So suppose, you know, I go in and I role play and then you sort of blindside me with something. Like one of my magical phrases is, you know, can you say more about that? You know, what was the thought behind that comment? Help me understand. Those are beautiful, magical phrases that say, I'm actually listening and I'm leaning in instead of tuning out. And so it is important. You, you said it beautifully. I can come in with um, a prepped idea of where I think the conversation is going, but then I need to make space for, I might be wrong and I need to own that. You know, I, I need to be open enough to say that your words surprised me, your actions surprised me, your body language, I'm interpreting it differently. I was just on a a webinar this morning and somebody said, well, what if I think that they're ambivalent? They're apathetic. Like I have this guy that doesn't practice as much as I do. And, that, and to me, that's a story. You need to actually look at him and say, you know, I have a story in my head, by the way, that's brilliant. That's another coaching tool I use. Because if I have a story in my head, it means it's totally made up. 
and I'm open to, to writing another story. But, you know, Netta, I have this story that you're, you're, you're apathetic and that you don't actually care about this conversation. And then that person will be like, what? Or that person will be like, yeah, you're right. Or that person will be like, well, what, how come you're thinking that? And I could say, well, you know, it's the body language or something that you said. But what, what's phenomenal about this is that you start to dialogue at a higher level by just challenging your own story. And the great thing about that, though, too, is that you're not pointing the finger at the other person. You're actually acknowledging that, like, this is my, <laughs> these are my <laughs> <laughs> and you're right that the story might not be accurate opposed to saying, you know, you're not engaged, you're not paying attention. And then we, we become defensive about it. So yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, I'd love to ask you, you know, part of communication is really just having the confidence to begin with, to take that step to go and communicate. Right. And you, and you and I know that unfortunately between the two genders, women struggle the most with confidence when it comes to, to having those conversations or even just speaking up. Men struggle from confidence as well, but just in different areas. Women yeah. have a tendency to just be afraid to just even initiate the conversation or take the risk or even get themselves to knock on the door or just even to start it. So one um, of the patterns that we've seen with women is that, and, and we're, if this is a, we're biologically wired to do this. This is on our DNA. So if, so if you resonate with this, know that you are not alone. There are millions of women that are dealing with this. And that is, we are wired to nurture and to fix and to build relationships. So building connectivity and networking and supporting one another and connecting with others is in our DNA. It's part of our survival. And so we are wired differently than men. We are more concerned about the outcome of a tough conversation because we have this fear in our minds that we are going to be um, unsupported, that we won't create a nurturing environment, or that we will unintentionally create hurt in a relationship. And so what happens is, is we avoid, as you say, opening the door, knocking on the door, having that tough conversation. Men are wired to be far, far more detached from the outcome on the relationship. Like it's, it's like to them, like, well, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to roll the way it rolls. You know, you get what you get. We'll see where it lands. Um, women are more like, if this doesn't go well, the relationship could be damaged for forever. And so what we're trying to teach women is to go in with the, if you practice and if you have the right intent to connect and you're looking for the win and you're trying to create a possible win, then you are not responsible for other people's reactions and the outcome. And when you let go of the outcome, when you really let go, you are far more confident. Yeah. And that, that I would agree with that. It's not easy, right. To kind of detach no. that, that that's the hardest part I think is detaching from the outcome or, or what it could be. But um, I, I would agree with you. Absolutely. I well, want to, Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Cause I was going to pivot. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that, you know, we're all really quick on Instagram to be like, 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 like when somebody, you know, posts this really affirming, you know, you're, you're 50 years old. You shouldn't care what people think you're 21 years old. You shouldn't care what people think. And we all go like, 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 and then we turn around and we're like, Doo, I can't have this conversation. I could hurt somebody. So the reality is, is that it's easier for you and I to sit here and talk about it than it is to actually do it. And the more that people start playing with your pillars and the more that people get comfortable at having difficult conversations, the more that people start to realize that full stop, the quality of your life is a direct reflection of the quality of your conversations. You could also say the quality of your relationships if you want to fill it in that way. Then you start to realize that this is really important and then you sort of 
you do shift and you do pivot to playing differently. Absolutely. And I would even... And I would even say that really anything can be communicated, anything at all, whether it has a negative connotation or a positive connotation, but it's just all in the wording, in the intonation and the physicalness that comes along with what you're saying. You know, I've heard people say things that are just, if they were said another way, you wouldn't know what to do, but they just, they packaged it so well yeah. that it was okay. <laughs> it was. I mean, so we were, we were doing a sales um, call the other day and it was the same message, but it was just like, just look at it. Words are everything. Tone and tenor is everything. So this one woman was saying, I want you to join my class, but it doesn't start until like the end of January. So just hang on with me. Hang on. It doesn't start until end of January. I said, no, 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 stop. I said, say that it starts now. It starts now. The, you know, we're going to have a live webinar at the end of January, but it starts now with just like tracking your behaviors or doing something. But, but it wasn't like the actual class was going to change. The reality check is, is it was still the end of January, but just framing it differently, talking about it differently. Like she was in this, oh, oh, it doesn't start. Oh, it doesn't start. I was like, no, it starts today with, and at the end of January, we'll be doing X. And she was like, holy cow, that's exactly what I was going to do anyway. I was like, that's right. So take the time to set your words, your tone and tenor, your framework, and you'll have a very different conversation. And I also, and tell me what your thoughts are on this. I also think um, creating the space to be vulnerable too. You know, I mean, I think you mentioned it. You had some key phrases that, that you insert. If something does throw you off guard or if something maybe isn't going in the direction that you expected, actually saying that can really even open the communication even more. You know, taking the opportunity to say, I didn't expect that. I need to think on that for a minute. Or, I mean, I think that you had some really key pivot phrases. Do you have any more that you can share with us? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I just wish people had given me these phrases like 20 years ago. And so what I find is that they're just wildly effective. And so you've already addressed a couple of them. And that is, I, I wasn't expecting that response or I wasn't expecting you to say that. And then you lean in. This will give you a pause. Tell me a little bit more about that. Help me understand what was the thought behind the comment or what was the thought behind that action or what was the thought behind that remark? I really, I'm curious and I, and I want to better understand. So those are, those are great ones right there. And then I also like it. Um, I'm going to go full circle here. We'll kind of, we'll kind of connect the dots. I like it when you help people paint a scenario that they either want to avoid or that they're not interested in wading into. So like, here's a different, here's, here's another brilliant power play when you're trying to get people to understand where you're coming from. So let's say you're my boss and you yell at me when I make a mistake in the scheduling of your calendar, but you don't talk to me to like actually talk about your calendar. It's like, you're too busy. You blow me off. And I just want five minutes. I don't want you to yell at me. I want five minutes for planning. So instead of just doing that conversation, like we talked about, Netta, I want five minutes of your time. I want five minutes of your time. I want you to talk to me because I, you know, this is driving me crazy. Instead of making it about me, make it about them and start with a scenario that they want to avoid. So a magical phrase would be, Hey, Netta, what happens when we double book your calendar? What happens when you do have a scheduling conflict? And then you're like, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, I, I feel out of integrity, or I can't meet all my clients' needs, or I look like an idiot. And then I come back and I go, you know what? It frustrates me too. And so let's not put you in this situation. Let's meet for five minutes so that this never happens again. Now, I still got what I wanted, 
but this conversation was not about me. It was about helping you avoid a painful scene that you don't want to enter. That's a really great one. Yeah, absolutely. And I could see how things like that definitely need to be thought through before just going into the room or a meeting or whatever, like really taking the time to think about that. Yeah. And there's another one that I love. We call it, I'm irreverent. I think your audience will know that by now, but I'm very irreverent, but we have this fabulous fun de-stink technique. We call it literally the de-stink technique. And this is when somebody brings their shit to your door or their stuff, depending on your, on your personality. If you don't like the cuss word, just insert the word stuff, but they bring (laughs) their stuff to your door. And what we do often a normal human reaction is to get defensive. So um, like you, let's just say um, your husband comes to you and he says, you know, oh, Netta, I can't believe that you throw out the, the slimy lettuce again. We're always wasting lettuce. You know, I just saw in the trash can that you threw away more lettuce. It could be anything. It could be chicken. It could be yogurt. It's whatever we overbuy that we end up throwing away because our lives are really busy. Normally what we do is we go defensive. So we'll be like, but our lives are so busy and I, and I thought we were going to eat it. And then you said, let's go out the other night. So this is your fault. And what happens is, is we end up escalating this minor kind of daily grind conversation to where we're nitpicking and we're critical. We're throwing hand grenades. And the next thing we know, we're talking to a girlfriend about why we're unhappy in a relationship. And it's like, we didn't need to go there. We didn't, we didn't have to actually respond that way. We could have responded in a much more healthy way. So your husband comes to you and he's like, oh my God, you're throwing lettuce away again. It totally frustrates me. That's when you say you lean in and you say, it frustrates me too. Will you help me? And so what you've done is you've just aligned yourself with their emotion and you've now asked for their help. So you've gone from venting and whining to an aligned team that now needs to problem solve. And just a reality check here. If they had already pulled the pin out of the next hand grenade, they might be throwing it at you and you're gonna have to dodge it and be like, no, 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 I'm serious. Throwing away lettuce really frustrates me too. Will you help me? But that is a fantastic way to diffuse tension in some of our friendships, family members, and then our most intimate relationship with a spouse or partner. Yeah. And, and when I was listening to you talk, the interesting thing is, is that in my head, it went from to making it about two people to making it now just about the lettuce, the product, right? Like you turned it to just the lettuce. It frustrates me too that we throw out the lettuce opposed to, well, you do this and I'm always doing it. And now it's become about the two people that are arguing. Oh, you, you nailed it. So, so most conversations about lettuce has very little to do with lettuce. Most conversations about lettuce are values, misaligned values, um, judgment, uh, world hunger rants, and then why haven't you sent out two resumes and gotten off your butt? So, you know, the slimy lettuce leaves has nothing to do with really what's going on. Again, it goes back. There's this conversation that we're having, and then there's all these conversations that are going on in everybody's heads, like why can't she get a resume out and get off her butt, and why does he always pick on me and be critical? And then we realize this whole thing is about control and influence and power, not connection. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to pivot the conversation a little bit to a little bit, it might be a little controversial, but I think it's an important conversation to have in regards to communication. You know, over the past year and a half, we've had a lot of things happen in society and globally in regards to women, hashtag me too, the gender gap. So many things have really just come to the forefront in media and our society. And I do think that there are some really amazing positive things that have come out of it, especially women feeling more that they have a voice and that they don't have to hide and they can really speak up. 
But I also think that there is an effect that's happening that's not so positive, in particular in the workforce as well, that could be making it a little bit more difficult for women to have those conversations because now there's this underlying tension or this underlying awkwardness or feeling that we are getting as a whole from society. What are your thoughts on that in general, if you have any thoughts? I mean, I've spoken to quite a few men, CEOs and women, that have talked about how they support women. They want women to be confident. They want women to um, you know, take risks. But with everything that's just been going on, that's been put out in the media, it's created this underlying feeling or tension of, now how do I navigate through any of this? How do I have these conversations? Well, I think you go back to what you said earlier, and that is that you address the elephant in the room. We don't know how to navigate it. We're all in new territory. And so I think that we just need to be vulnerable and say, I'm not really sure how to navigate this conversation. So I'm going to start it. I might misstep. I might actually say something and need to kind of backtrack and restate it. But I'm, it's important enough for me to ignite a dialogue around this. So a couple things that I'll bring up is that I, I've seen, and it's, um, it's disappointing. It's also very human, but it is disappointing where I'll say women, you know, I'll see women and they'll do something like, well, that wasn't my experience. And then you get this, like this huge hand, this huge barrier. And it's like, okay, wait a minute, let's put the hand from this to this. And let's say, Hey, you know, my experience is different. So I come from um, a different viewpoint or a different angle. Can we share our perspectives and see what kind of meaning that we can make out of this? Or my experience is different, but I, I want to I I give us some space to navigate this. It might be a little bit rocky, but I'm curious, and I think this is an important conversation for us to have. I think women need to offer and lean into a difficult conversation rather than just being like, well, that's not my experience, so this is, you know, I don't relate. Women have a spectrum of experiences. Yes. Not all women share the same experience. Same with men. Yeah. And so I think we need to honor that. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is that somebody said to me the other day, and I just thought it was sad. There was a man in a group, and this is not men bashing. This is a specific example. I love men. I have a great father, great brothers, great male friends. This is just a specific example. And he said, well, I'm never going to go to dinner with a professional female again because it could always come back to haunt me. And I was like that's sad. Like that's disappointing that that's your takeaway. But here's what I challenged her. Did you say anything to him? Did you confront that? I mean, where, where is our voice in saying, Hey, well, wait a minute, before we go to the extreme where everybody suffers and that you don't get to have like meaningful connections with your professional female colleagues and get their incredible perspective and input and ideas and, and expertise why don't we stop that story and talk about that? Because that's just a story in your head. There are plenty of women that you can go like, but just challenging him on it versus the false assumption that, Hey, I'm just going to play like this now. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And the communication I think is going to be the key to kind of bring the pendulum back. Right. Because right now we're still in the extreme phase. Everyone, you know, there's still defense and things that are happening between the two genders, but it's really going to take our voice, both men and women to just bring it back and, and really, I don't want to say cushion it, but just really reconnect with one another, get back in alignment and have those conversations. Yeah. So I think, um, could not agree more with what you said. It's men and it's women who are going to change that conversation. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we're really quick to do and the media is very quick to do because it makes highlight reels 
is we're very quick to be critical and snarky when somebody is trying to navigate a difficult conversation. So I'm going to be very controversial in this, and your, your listeners may not agree, but this is my two cents, my opinion. When a gentleman says, yes, this is important to me because I have daughters, the media is very quick to say, it's more than just your daughters. Why are you just making it about your daughters? And, and the first part of me wants to say, because that's in that intimate world that he has. And instead of criticizing him for coming to the conversation because he cares about his daughters, let's acknowledge him and praise him for saying, okay, I'm awake now. I don't want this to happen to my daughters. And then let's expand his awareness. Let's expand his ability to play bigger for the greater good of all women and treating uh, human beings as equals. And we expand the scenarios. But when the first response that we have is to be snarky and bashed, We've just annihilated, annihilated what could have been an extraordinarily expanded conversation. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with that. And um, I, I do agree that not only media, but even us as women too, need to be mindful, just like we would like the men to be mindful, right? It, it kind of Correct. goes both ways. And, and I also come from um, a family full of men. And so I, I realized that sometimes I'll say things that will hurt them right? Just as much. And I have to be mindful of, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. Or a lot of times I'll see that they're trying to support me as a woman and they don't necessarily know how to. (laughs) That's right. And it's difficult. It's difficult. And we're all going to make missteps. And so I think that that's also important to realize is that when somebody is trying male or female and the intent is genuine for us to criticize them first, it's not a great reaction. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't educate, doesn't mean that we can't point out a different perspective, but let's do it in an inclusive way that says, you know, it's interesting. I, I get that you care about this person or this daughter or your sister or whatever, and not but, and, and again, I, I see, I even do this naturally. It's an offering rather than a, you know, these kind of gestures. Yeah, absolutely. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always an honor to collaborate with you and talk with you and and just have these great conversations. Tell us a little bit more about the stuff that you're doing. I know you have a great project and some events and things happening. Tell us a little bit more about that and how we can connect and support with you. Communication is super hard. I think that we all struggle with it. Even people who have like mastered some of the best skills, it's just a daily, um, it's a daily task. And it's in a daily priority to get our most critical conversations right. And so I am so ridiculously excited about my brand new program that's online. We're reaching hundreds of people. We are helping them navigate their toughest conversations. So amyk.com forward slash PPC for the power of profitable conversations. But at the end of the day, I really do want to be a resource. I want to be kind of this taking of my 27 years and all the gifts and talents that I've been given And that I've also honed with a lot of work, a lot of missteps, a lot of errors, and a lot of huge wins to show you that you really can have a tough conversation and do it without saying something that you regret, without giving your power away, and without damaging your relationships along the way. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So we'll, we'll put that in the link for anybody that's interested to make sure that we can send you over to, the, to that webpage. Just to wrap it up, I always like to ask this final question, and you've, you've answered this before, but I always love to hear where it's at now. As you know, we're Rise Up For You. That's the company. That's the name. What comes to mind when you hear that phrase, Rise Up For You? You know, it's interesting. I honestly don't know what I said last time. It was that long ago. So I'm going to do what, what comes to mind today, and that is 
I have really shifted over the years from being super focused on a goal to being super focused to who I need to become in order to achieve that goal. And so when I hear rise up for you, it's sort of like, yeah, who do I need to rise up and become in order to really manifest what it is that I want? So no matter what your goal is, I think that the question behind it is, who do I need to become in order to move closer to that goal versus just trying to make that goal happen? Absolutely. That was a perfect answer. Probably one of the best we've had. (laughs) So thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow. Tomorrow.